The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is just out with its 2022 Goalkeepers Report. And what this does is annually examine how close the globe is to achieving the sustainable development goals that world leaders agreed to in 2015. And the report this year focuses on two issues in particular, or aspects of two issues in particular, that is world hunger and gender equality. Uh, with us now is the CEO of the foundation, that is Mark Suzman, um, who's here to talk to us about the report. Mark, um, alongside my, my uh, colleague, Akiko Fujita as well. Mark, um, I wanna start actually with the world hunger piece and kind of what can be done to alleviate that issue, which has been thrown into such stark relief uh, by the hunger crisis that's now been brought on by the war in Ukraine and the cutoff of many um, food supplies there. Um, in the report, it talks a lot about the value of so-called magic seeds in helping with this problem. Um, how are you guys working on um, agricultural technology and development to help? Yeah, so uh, essentially what the report says and notes, because we ran the data, it's, it's a very challenging time, as you know, for food security. The inflation uh, of food prices has meant dramatic shortages, particularly in uh, developing countries across Africa and Asia. And uh, what you see is then many tens of millions of people being thrust onto food aid, needing aid simply to stay alive. And the report says actually that shouldn't be the case. It's very possible to have all parts of the planet, including Africa, be food self-sufficient and actually become food exporters, which has broader economic growth prospects as well. But to do that, especially in the context of severe climate change, you need to have smarter tools and the most important ones are crops that are going to be more drought and flood resistant because we know these countries are already facing these and so we cite some examples of both uh, corn in Kenya and rice in India uh, which are able to grow in much tougher conditions uh, that these need to be scaled rapidly and we have the tools and technologies to do that and that could actually help address the problem and turn these food importing countries that often face starvation into robust food, self-sufficient countries that can actually be exporters. Yeah, Mark, it's fascinating to read about some of those examples that you gave. You know, it makes me think, to what extent is climate change going to fundamentally change the type of food that we eat, but also how well equipped are developing countries, especially to keep up this kind of research? Is that on the private sector or is it the government that needs to pick up the load? Well, it's both. Actually, the most important agricultural research group is a global group. It has a really complicated acronym called CGIAR, but it's basically one that the US and the Gates Foundation and others are among the key funders, uh, which invests around a billion dollars a year in exactly these, because these are global public goods. Crops that can grow in Africa or Asia can also grow in the US. Uh, or in Latin America, or it's just that Asia, South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa happen to be the two places that are being most affected by climate change, even though they contributed least to the greenhouse gases that caused it. But the global research that can create these public goods uh, should come from these, and that's a mixture of you know, universities, academic institutions, private sector partners and related groups working across key crops like uh, maize, corn, wheat, rice, but also some of these crops that you know we don't really eat in the United States, like cassava or millet, but are actually really important staple crops in uh, many countries in Africa and Asia and Latin America. 
Mark, as the report points out, part of the challenge too of climate change is it's not as though climate change happens and then every season after that is more wet. It's that you really get this volatility in, in weather and unpredictability. So it's not just about growing the right seeds, right? It's about trying to figure out what is going to happen. Are we getting better at doing that? And how do we get better at doing that? Yeah, it's a great point. And so one of the tools that we have, and actually this is something that uh, gets used commercially um, in the US and is starting to be, is using what we call you know, adaptation atlases, uh, where you use digital soil health mapping from satellite health mapping that actually analyzes at a granular level the chemical composition of the soil, which we now have the technology to do anywhere on the planet. And that allows you to have a much more customized thing saying in these climate conditions, here's a more customized uh, fertilizer combination you can use that uses less fertilizer in a smart way. Here's exactly the kind of crop or the kind of seed that will be most responsive in that soil. And by doing that, you can actually massively improve uh, productivity and uh, the resilience of the crops. And so those are tools that are just coming online. We're helping create them as you know public goods and putting them, but need to be accelerated and scaled. And we think that is because it is a little bit of an arms race. You know, the climate change is getting worse and more challenging. We have some data in the report that shows, you know, say on the continent of Africa, that's where thirty percent of uh, crops will be affected by heat stress on a regular basis by twenty thirty. But we think we can get ahead of that curve with these investments and some of the additional you know, surround supports because you've then got to create, you know, a better markets to uh, take up and, and purchase the, uh, the crops. There's also, interestingly, we don't talk about in the report, but there are opportunities to do more drought resistant livestock. Uh, we've been part of uh, doing something which is a, a term I hadn't used before called dual use poultry, but <laughs> where we've been working to develop and we actually have a partnership with uh, the government of Qatar uh, that's investing in these drought resilient chickens, which actually are more likely to survive in droughts and provide eggs and meat. Uh, and so provide then income in this case for women farmers who are more likely to farm chickens. And so you get lots of those kinds of opportunities. Mark, let's talk about gender equality. The number that stood out to me in this report is the one that's been released by the World Bank. Difference in expected lifetime earnings between men and women is twice the size of the world's annual GDP. We're talking about $172 trillion. I mean, it, that is a staggering number. To what extent do you think tech can narrow that divide? Yeah, so tech is absolutely a critical tool to do that uh, globally. And that uh, you can do it at the very poorest level uh, of, of women across uh, the world, simply getting access to digital bank accounts and financial services, which is now possible really anywhere. Uh, we found has a massively beneficial effect in terms of allowing women to get access and build assets to enter the job market informal and formal sector to get access to credit and having a very deliberate focus on how you target women is critical because the report also shows there's a gap a big gender gap globally in financial access where men have more access to all these financial tools than women do even as the overall access has been growing and so these kind of things are the underlying contributory factors to exactly what you're talking about. And then there's also the idea of that the support for women is also very necessary, both the support from um, a financial perspective, but also childcare perspective. Um, and the report also talks a little bit about how to attack that issue in sort of maybe more creative ways, right? 
Yeah, exactly. So childcare is one of the biggest uh, challenges for women in the workforce. It's one of the reasons why job losses during COVID were disproportionately women. It's not just the economic payment gap that you cited. It's also they're more likely to leave the workforce when you have challenges like COVID because they have more childcare. Often it's because they have more childcare needs and duties. So if you can have a more effective childcare uh, setup, then you're unlocking uh, the ability for these women to enter or re-enter the workforce and generate a much higher economic return. And what you have is opportunities, even in well, the, the, one of the examples cited in uh, the report is an, an example from Kenya about, uh, they call them mamapreneurs, but it's basically what you create, these childcare uh, collectives in uh, sometimes these are in very poor areas of the cities, which actually create jobs for the child carers and then free up uh, the time for women to then go and uh, get mainstream jobs in in the cities. And those are really scalable opportunities, uh, which you know, we're working on right now with partners like the World Bank. It's certainly an important report that really highlights some of the key challenges moving forward. Uh, Mark, appreciate your time today. Mark Suzman, CEO of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay. Thank you.